Welcome to the Always On Podcast. I'm your host, Duncan McPherson. On this podcast, our objective is to provide our audience who are high-caliber fee-for-service professionals with ways to always be working on their business and on themselves, personally and professionally. And to that end, in this conversation today, I had a great interaction with Steve Phillips. I've known for a long time. He takes this very seriously. Steve is the Chief Practice Management Officer at USA Financial, which is home of the Advisor Protocol. And he is also Pareto certified as a coach. He has an incredible understanding and appreciation for our philosophy and our approach and does not operate in theory because he is working side by side as an accountability partner of some very high caliber teams. In this episode, we discussed again, how to make your clients the voice, how to understand how you're perceived and described looking through the lens of your clients and as Steve pointed out, your strategic partners. So I hope you enjoy this chat. If you like this podcast, please like it and share it. Tell your colleagues. And as always, if you have any ideas or topics and themes you'd like to hear in this podcast down the road, just let us know. Thanks for listening. I couldn't be happier about my guest because I've known Steve for, it's got to be going on 15 years, and few people have a deeper understanding and appreciation for the philosophy and process that we've been developing and refining at Pareto Systems for a long time. Uh, Steve started off as a client of Pareto Systems and then realized that part of his calling was to become a coach and accountability partner, so became certified and today has an exceptional, impeccable reputation as somebody who enables financial professionals to find another gear and get to that next level. The theme of this conversation will revolve around uh, looking at your business through the lens of the client. Uh, recently, I did a webinar with clients of mine from Oak and Stone on the whole concept of testimonials. I really encourage you to go through that webinar. Uh, we also did a webinar with Idea Decanter on how to capture testimonials on video. And I'll tell you, the, the adopters, the early adopters who have engaged their clients and let them tell the advisor's story to the world, the results have been both meaningful and measurable. So before I go any further, let's just welcome Steve Phillips who is the uh, Chief Practice Management Officer at USA Financial, which is the home of Advisor Protocol, and uh, more importantly, an absolutely treasured and dear friend of mine. Steve, thanks for being here. Oh, Duncan, always always a pleasure and, and a privilege, and uh, thanks for having me back. A lot of good history, a lot of good stuff always to talk about. Yeah, and a lot more to come, which I'm extremely excited about, and uh Right up front, I do appreciate your little backdrop there. For those of you watching video, you'll notice a book in the background there. Nice staging, buddy. Appreciate that. <laughs> of course. I read it. And actually, <laughs> mine was signed, and it said, and I treasure this, of all the people I've ever known, you are one. And so, you know, I, I, that's just, you know, I don't know how it gets better than that for me. It really doesn't. I'm trying to remember where I uh, lifted that <laughs> statement from. I think it was Caddyshack or Rodney Dangerfield. Okay. I, I can't remember, but yeah, I know it's it's timeless. I remember watching you write it. Actually, you know, I can't wait for this. is going to be amazing. I'm going to be awesome in Duncan's eyes. And I was just one, so it's cool. <laughs> really good. I could have said, "Stay in touch with yourself." <laughs> um, okay, so. We're going to just ask anybody who happens to be listening in to just consider this very simple question in the spirit of advocacy, loyalty, client acquisition. How are you perceived and how are you described? 
by your existing clients, your strategic partners, obviously prospective clients that get steered your way. And I wish I had a buck for every time I've said this. I just remind our clients continually, you're not marketing to yourself. Uh, I know you know what you're talking about. I know you've got great intentions, but I'd like you ultimately to talk less about what you do and talk more about what it is your clients want and how you get them there. Which is why this whole notion of testimonials, success stories, and just embracing the fact that you've created a a community of relationships, let the world know that. Because one of the most significant unmet needs in the B2C sphere is a sense of belonging. The, The bar of professionalism has lowered you know, in in a variety of different sectors. And I think there's just a tremendous opportunity. And so we're going to get into this and talk about some timely, but also some timeless elements that do two things. They validate and they activate. So validating existing relationships, preventing loyalty fatigue, preventing amnesia, just revitalizing how your clients feel about you because that ultimately is fuel for advocacy. So validate. And ultimately, we want to validate your role from the standpoint of personal fulfillment and your sense of purpose. Just rejuvenate that because the most effective financial professionals view this as a calling. Okay, so validate and then activate how to activate contrast so you stand out, how to activate advocacy. So, Steve, let's let's look at some of the sort of fundamentals around this because I know they're near and dear to your heart. And some of the people listening in might be familiar with these three progressions on how to make your clients the voice. And and we've got all these resources for you. If you have the Pareto Systems Always On app, you can access these. Uh, if you have these books, we, we touch on this. The first, Steve, is the next 90 days. Yeah. So the premise of reaching out to your favorite clients and at the end of the conversation, just simply saying, Hey, before I let you go, I want to let you know that uh, our team is very excited because we're going through an exercise right now for the purposes of elevating the client experience. And I'm just wondering if before I let you go, can I can I just ask you three quick questions? Because I think the best way to improve the service and experience we provide is to just talk to the people on the receiving end. Can I just ask you three quick questions? just to sort of get my finger on the pulse here. And we'll get to those three specific questions in a second. But Steve, this concept of just bringing clients in and and popping the hood and letting them understand that you're striving to run the business like a business, not a book of business. What has been your experience with this campaign over the years? Well, it's so significant. So, uh, uh, you had mentioned our time together. So on July the 10th just passed, that was our 13-year anniversary. So not quite 15, but a long, significant decade plus. And, uh, you know, the next 90 days was, I think that we were working together before Total Client Engagement was actually born. And mm-hmm. I, I remember you describing it as a lightning strike, and that was still kind of in your head. And we hadn't put it together, but the idea of the next 90 days was alive and well. And of all the things that we continue to do, um, the Pareto system stuff, a lot of really meaningful evolutions. The whole idea of making your clients the voice, I, it might be one of the most significant things that we do. And you hear me talk a lot about the human nature component. And 
I know. And I, just, I have friends of mine at USA Financial. Whenever I do a presentation, they have Steve Bingo because they know I'm going to say the words matter, human nature component, and but they're significant things. And I think what those exercises do is really bring out the ability of a client to to be sort of forthright about the relationship. And, you know, Duncan, I'll add a couple things. The questions that we ask, I know you're going to get into that. What we found is that I, the, the experience I've had with clients, asking clients, it was that was an amazing thing that happened to me a number of years ago as a consultant and clients would view me as, you know, nothing for sale. So I'll tell you a whole lot of things. That was, that was really something. As we started to really put these exercises in place, we encouraged our advisors based on some things I had heard is to point, be pointed about the questions, try to stay away from, and you taught me this in the early days, stay away from the generalizations. You really need Mm -hmm. to get your client thinking about their singular relationship with you. One of the things I found was clients, whether you have a small practice or a very large practice, and obviously you work with practices of all sizes and so do we, Clients tend to think of themselves as as one fish in a big school. And so if you ask them a general question, what I found is they'll respond like they think the rest of the school would respond. And so it took us a little while to understand how to point questions right at clients to give them an opportunity to really philosophically and emotionally invest in the conversation. The other thing that you mentioned, Duncan, was you know, we're working with a consultant or we're working with an outside team. Don't take for granted that, you know, your clients think that you really are very good at what you do. You might be the smartest guy I know. And I and clients say that, that you're managing my future and my dreams and my retirement. I hope you're the smartest guy. But, you know, I want to be able to relate at a different level, number one. And two, I've known you for 20 years and you're working with a consultant. One of the sort of barriers or the subliminal things that we found is clients think that's amazing. I've had clients say, you know what? My advisor is spending money to get better. So the way you teed that up, Duncan, with, hey, you know, we're always looking to elevate and perfect the client experience we provide. And occasionally we're going to work with a consultant uh, to understand how to do that, to overcome being store blind. You know, if you're inside the store for long enough, you don't really know how it's perceived from the outside. So asking the meaningful questions and doing the meaningful exercises bears a lot of fruit, goes a long way with clients. Yeah, very well said. And, you know, specifically business owners, professionals, and executives, and even retired in those categories, it it just it just hits them differently because they like you, they trust you around your credentials, your qualities, your technical ability. But now they're starting to expand their thinking around what goes on back there behind the curtain. And a lot of clients are flattered that that an advisor would ask them. Yeah. But let's get to it. Let's get to the three questions. So again, the positioning, this is not opportunistic pitching. This is inclusive positioning. This is all about the client. Our team is excited. We're engaged in an exercise. We, we've retained a consulting firm to adopt best practices. And uh, we've decided we want to make our clients the voice we listen to. So three quick questions. And then, so let's let's, yep. let's delve into the question. So the first question is, this is just the primer. What is the one thing you value most about our relationship? One thing. And of course, and I'm sure you're going to echo this, most clients say, well, it's you and your people. You you take good care of us. Uh, you're smart. You, you have integrity. And, and they talk about your qualities and skills and intentions as a financial professional. They don't really talk about your practice and your process, but they talk about the people. It's all good. There's no downside. Uh, what have you heard from that question? Kind of the same thing or? Yes, I have. And first of all, I love the way you teed it up and and sort of pointing your finger. And we, you know, the the fallback, if, if you participate with Pareto and you're in the academy and you see the exercise, but you don't really focus on the details, the fallback is to ask the question, what do you value or what do you like about us? It's not a proper question. 
The question is, and now so then that becomes the big school of fish. Well, what does everybody else think? I trust you, I guess. But Duncan, to your point, if you ask a client right off the bat, and I participated in so many of these calls and I felt like, and learning it from you, I thought it's not resonating the way I think it should. And it was a minor adjustment. And it was, what is the one thing that you value most about your relationship with us? And you're right. The questions um, or the answers are, are, are pretty standard. Number one, we trust you. You are high integrity. You're very accessible. We love that. You get right back to us. Look, I, I've had clients say, oh, when I was asking questions in the early days, I'm going to text my advisor right now. You watch. You'll get right back to me. Fantastic. That's great. And I agree with you. All those things are earned. They're deserved. And of course, your response to the client is you're grateful for those responses and you don't take those things for granted. The other thing I found out that I don't know if many advisors take this, I don't think many advisors take it for granted. Clients don't say stuff they don't mean. If they say, we trust you, you take that to the bank. Clients do not say, if you're not accessible, you know, and I was a consultant, they felt like they had permission to say anything to me. So your clients say stuff like that, fantastic. Really good step number one, because they mean it and it's val- it's valuable to them. Yeah, good point. And just for anybody listening in that's done the next 90 day campaign before, I, I just a quick qualifier. This does not have to be a one and done. Uh, it's very common that a team will do this every couple of years, just from the standpoint of revitalizing and plateau avoidance and everything else. So don't don't feel like you can't go back to do this. Uh, just oh, listen, Duncan, I we kind of mandate to our teams that we're coaching that they do it once a year. When you think mm-hmm. about what's going on in the world, what goes on with kids growing up, what happens with people are changing jobs, losing jobs, retiring early, being forced out, two years is too long uh, to really, mm-hmm. now obviously you're making forum calls and doing those types of things, but asking your clients sincerely, you know, let's take the temperature of how you're feeling about the relationship is important. I think once a year, I'll say one other thing, Duncan, the way you teed up the first you tee up the first question with what is the one thing you value most? It changes the dynamic of the rest of the conversation because clients realize right now, no, we're not just mailing this in. That's a specific question pointed right at me. So, yeah. Okay. And which ultimately segues perfectly to the second question because you know how it is. I mean, many issues are two or three questions deep. So now you've got them engaged, you've got their permission to participate. Now it gets interesting. So thank them. Wow, that means the world to us. We really appreciate that. We never take it for granted. Next question, what's the one thing you feel we could add to the client experience that we're perhaps missing or not currently providing? Now, of course, it's an either or. They either say, well, I I can't think of anything. You're doing a great job. Or they'll say, well, it's funny you should say that because, you know, I was talking to my business partner the other day and we started talking about this, that, or the other thing. And the client says, it'd be great if you added something that you're already doing, yeah. but they're not aware of. This is a t- tremendous moment of truth because no matter how they respond, to question number two, you now have permission to say, okay, that's very good feedback. Let me tell you why I'm asking you this question. Is every now and again, I'm reminded that, first of all, we have amazing clients, but sometimes we've got clients that are not aware of everything we do. We're kind of our own best kept secret here. So when we get together for our next strategy and tactical meeting, I'm just going to set aside a couple of minutes on the agenda just to remind you about our process so you have the complete picture. Now what you're doing is you're planting a seed to start future pacing directionally where the relationship is going and your full array of capabilities, even if they don't relate to the client yet. In other words, you know, you can't outgrow our process. You'll grow into our process as your life progresses. So interested in hearing your feedback on that question, because I know you've heard a lot of feedback on that. 
Yeah, it's so, and I love doing these conversations with you because they all, we're you and I both end up the same place. It's interesting when I was talking to this, I never, I don't get over the fact what happened to me when I was talking to clients. Uh, it was a little bit of rough and tumble at the beginning, but it really kind of changed my life when I think of the trajectory of my career as a consultant asking clients what they thought. And so when I went back to these clients and said, yeah, if you could add one thing to your client experience that you have with us, what would that be? Overwhelmingly, the answer was nothing. And the advisors oftentimes would, you know, advisors that I knew really well, they'd be like, see, we're just as awesome as we told you we were. And it was kind of funny. And and so I said, I'll give you 50% credit for that. And I went back to the clients and I said, why nothing? And this is a real moment for advisors to pay attention to as an opportunity gap. That's how we, this was the first of the opportunities that poked up in this exercise. The clients would say, look, I trust my advisor. She's fantastic. She's always accessible, solve problems. She's a part of the family. What else could there be? And right then, just what you said, Duncan, it's 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 another way of saying we're not even aware of all the things that you do. So opportunity, permission, marketing of sorts to say, well, thank you for that. And just what you we're kind of our own best kept secret. There is more. Thank you for the trust and confidence. But I thought that literally they'd say the calls that I was on, there'd be a couple seconds of silence and then say nothing. I can't think of anything. Now, if you can read that a couple of ways, but you must read it as an opportunity, as an open door to say, wow, and just we're our own best kept secret. Shame on us. We really value. Thank you for that. And they mean it in a really good way. All the things that I think my advisor should do. Because here's the thing. It, in their minds, it's my money. It's my retirement. We all know it's way more than that. Mm-hmm. But the clients are like, you take good care of me. I trust you. We're on the path. Thanks for being accessible. All of those things. What a great opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and the key here, again, in the strategy and tactical meeting is to position, uh, and, you know, the seven pillars, one process. Yep. Focus on one thing. We've got a process that puts it all together as your life unfolds. But always having things organized and structured, and especially the seventh pillar, which is for value-added services, a placeholder. Remember, you don't just do value-added for your clients because you're a good person. You do them because your experience has been invested into the culmination, the, the process you developed. You don't want things to fall through the cracks. You want to get out in front of evolving needs. You want to identify unmet needs. So give them a home. This is for value-added services that you will really find to be of value, which incidentally leads to the third question. And you just simply say, look, this feedback's been uh, incredible. Thank you. Last question, I'll let you go. If you don't mind me asking. Duncan, stop right there for a second. I get up in front of... I know this is a weird place to interrupt you, but I get up in front of groups still a couple times a month and I will do this exercise. And I say, I don't really know. I've met a few of you as you came in the door and, you know, uh, a couple of you I've known. If I step out on the break with you and say, hey, if you don't mind my asking, it completely changes the perception of what's coming next. Not bad, but, oh, this is something. If you don't mind my asking... Why does your hair look like that today? I mean, you know, so it's good to go all these different ways. So teeing it up like that, absolutely crucial. Well, and again, it speaks to just being disarming and authentic. No question. And again, everything's positioned. Nothing's pitched. Everything's positioned as a benefit to the client and as a way to elevate. So... You know, if you don't mind me asking, just last question, I'll let you go. If you don't mind me asking, when you talk about us with a friend or a family member, what do you say? How do you describe us? And just let them describe you. 
and uh, brace yourself mm-hmm. because you might not like how they describe you. And not because it's going to be bad, but it's just, it's just lacking. Uh, you know, the, the persuasive impact of the messenger and the mm-hmm. conviction is there. But the answer to question number three, and I'm sure you hear this as well, often sounds like the answer to question number one. Yes. They say, well, I I, I just tell people I trust you. Yeah. And you can feel the energy. But the, the point here is for a financial professional to bridge, like, bridge the gap, cross that Rubicon between endorsement and introduction. It's a five to one ratio for every actual introduction a financial advisor receives. They were talked about five times. But the endorsement sounds like this. Okay, so I'm your client. You're my financial advisor. I'm playing pickleball with a friend and money comes up in the break in the conversation. You know, they talk about, you know, geopolitical issues and volatility and gold and whatever else. And it leads me as the client or the financial advisor to say, you know what? You should call my advisor. He's great. And the endorsement goes to the friend's head to die because it was just me waving your flag. It wasn't me actually taking action. So if you if, if you as a financial professional can cross the gap from endorsement to introduction, the quality and quantity of referrals increases. So here's how you segue from the response to question number three. You say, look, that that means the world to me that you would feel compelled to say that. I, I just very, very uh, fulfilling. But again, in the spirit of being our own best kept secret, I'm asking you this question because I've come to this realization that one of our value-added services that I think is most of value during times like these is that, you know, I, I've got clients that are not aware that as a value-added service, we make ourselves available to be a sounding board for friends and family members of our clients. And they don't need to become a client. It's just something we enjoy doing. If they want to become a client, that's a separate conversation. We only accept new clients that are introduced to us, assuming it's a good fit. But I just want to make sure our clients know that if someone's important to you, they're important to us. And I got to tell you, the most fulfilling thing I do is having a conversation with somebody who's carrying a heavy load of uncertainty and apprehension. And we just do the little mid-course correction and you can see their apprehension melt away. And it just, that's why I became a financial professional. So bottom line is, The question creates a response that gives you permission to remind a client about the value-added service, positioning the concept of an introduction as a service you provide. So I definitely want your feedback on this, and then we're going to get into these other initiatives, but thoughts on question number three and where to go with it? Yes. I um, And the, the sounding board is obviously an amazing service. I want to back up from there. And I may have told you this story. I early on, I started um, keeping data when I was talking. Obviously, advisors, we want them to write their responses down. And of course, uh, we always ask our advisors, call five, call your five best clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you do it right, it doesn't stop there because something starts to happen. And we were working with a guy out of Ohio. He called five and he called me because it was amazing. He called 10, he called 12. Well, he sent me a spreadsheet with 46 calls on it. And so we started to ask advisors to do that. And what we ended up with was data of hundreds of responses. Here's what I want to tell you. It's amazing how consistent the responses are. We found that were three big answers to question number three. If you don't mind me asking, when you talk about people that are important, talk about us to people that are important to you, what do you say? Answer number one to question number three is question number one. Trust you. You're amazing so forth. The second most popular answer to question number three started to open a door. And that was, I don't talk about you, Duncan, because I don't want to talk about money. People were very plain and to the point. I'm not talking about money. 
And we and so we started looking at this data and it was all over the place. The third most popular answer, though, really kind of blew the lid off, considering who you're calling. You're calling advocates, you're calling triple A's, people that we want them to duplicate themselves. Turns out they want to. The third most popular answer to question number three was, Duncan, I don't talk about you, but I would. I don't know what to say. End of story. Process, pillars, all the things that we, so I don't, and I've told you stories. I think we said it on the last podcast. I know of client interactions where clients have said, I quit talking about my advisor because it was embarrassing. You know, I got the shutdown. I trust my guy too, money. I don't want to talk about your advisor. Give me a handle. Give me a way to talk about you. And and here's the thing for advisors. Be clear. There are people that you work with that are raising their hand. I will talk about you. I don't know what to say. And then the last thing I'll say, Duncan, you talked about the whole idea of you know, endorsements that never... My question for advisors is, somebody asks for your card. They say nice things about you. You never hear from the friend. What do you make of that? I don't think that's a question we ask our advisors all the time because everybody goes, oh, yes, uh, yeah, it happens many times during the year. Somebody will say, I'm sending it over to my friend. They never. What do you make of that? What do you think? I said nice things about you. Never turned into anything. There's the opportunity, and you were kind of going that direction. The opportunity is that your, your clients mean well, but this is the whole thing about if I can't tell a story that validates me that's compelling and different, if you're just like every other advisor, it's going to stop right there. So there's a very specific and pretty simple method to the madness to turn, as you say, turn those endorsements into introductions. And keep the data, friends. I Write it down and, and watch what happens. I think you know, there's a lot of our advisors that really go, oh, that was amazing with five. I'm going to call 10. I'd called 15. And Andy sent us over 46, his spreadsheet. It was amazing. And there were no differences. Everybody said the same thing. So big opportunity. Well, what's fascinating to me about that point is just being completely mindful of the gap between intent and consent. Oh, well said. You've got all these clients that have good intent, but it falls apart because they don't know what to say. And, and then, of course, endorsements get undermined by the law of diminishing intent advocates have so much conviction, but also so much specificity that they're insistent. They don't tell a friend to call a financial advisor. They call the financial advisor on behalf of the friend. That's the difference between yeah. an endorsement and an introduction, and it's engineered. Okay. And you know what, Duncan? So, one of the things you taught me real quick, this last thing early on was, and this is for strategic partners too, Unless and until I understand how introducing you reflects back on me, I won't do it. And if all I can say about you is I trust you, you're amazing and everything, doesn't reflect well on me. I'm not doing it. A customized podcast can add credibility and efficiency to your communication efforts. Sifting good prospects from the mass of suspects, staying top of mind with strategic partners, and activating more advocacy from existing clients can be achieved with a turnkey approach. Learn more at proudmouth.com. The best place to strengthen a client relationship is in the very place where you manage that relationship. BlueSquareToolkit.com has harnessed the best practices of Pareto systems and brought them to life in our easy to use system that is accessible on both your phone and your desktop. Simple technology to uncomplicate your life by creating clarity, accountability, and consistency for your entire team. Build stronger client relationships by tracking and archiving essential information on what matters in your client's life and make yourself indispensable and more referable in the process. Create a more consistent client experience and grow your business with the Blue Square Toolkit. Visit bluesquaretoolkit.com 
to get your 14-day free trial today. Yeah, great point. And uh, I don't mean to just say great point on the things that you referenced that I taught you. I don't mean to do that. <laughs> but no, it's such a good point. And listen, I've, sincerely, though, I've gotten as much out of our relationship professionally as you have, just to be crystal Thank clear. You. And I can just even hear hear it right right now. So, okay. So the next 90 days, powerful, not a one-off. Once a year, once every two years, okay, but if you want to go with Steve, just just include your clients, like just put them in the sidecar with you okay. and just, it's not a book of business, it's a business and we don't want to crescendo, we want to keep finding ways to elevate. So that's this, which then leads, and, and there's two more things uh, we want to talk about. I want to talk about the Client Advisory Council. This is timeless. This is something we've been talking about for a long time. We definitely captured it in the advisor playbook. We touch on it again in the blue square method. But the concept of getting 8, 10, or 12 business owners and professionals together in a room to make them the voice to, first of all, enhance your branding as being a specialist in that sector to talk about all the different things that they're hoping to have addressed regarding continuity and succession, family investment legacy, strategic partners, you know, engaging them into the process and getting out in front of liquidity events. We, we don't have to go into too much detail on the Client Advisory Council because, again, for those of you who are on the Pareto Academy, the campaign is their turnkey. We outline it there. But I would love your uh, feedback or commentary on what the Client Advisory Council has done in, in your views and in your interactions with advisors. I think advisors have to be super intentional about it and really have a plan in place. I have a lot of advisors that we've talked to over the years about this that get, well, this is a, I think this is a fundamental. I'm really nervous. What if I get the wrong person in the group? And mm. you can't get the wrong person in the group because you know who the people are. That's why I say mm. be intentional. We know who our advocates are. We know the people that we can empower to have conversation. And, you know, I, I want to say not critical input, but fair input and, and are not going to poison the well, so to speak. So I think that that has kept a lot of advisors from um, doing advisory boards. The other thing too, is one of our friends and one of my early mentors, you know, Ron Schertz from Nexus, uh, Duncan, used to say that, you know, one of the responsibilities you have is controlling the narrative a bit in a room like that. And so as part of it's in the academy and the way we teach it, it's very meaningful to ask key, uh, I don't know what the word is, influencers that you work with, what is resonating with them? It's a just, an, I think it's a deeper version or a different way of doing the three questions. And oftentimes that people inside the group start to sort of feed off of each other. My experience has been most of the time it's, it's super positive. Um, all of us know there's a person that wants to be positive, but will take an opportunity to get it off the rails a little bit. Eh, respectfully, don't invite that person. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's it's meaningful. It's all over the board as to how often to do it. I have some advisors that will do it twice a year. Mm -hmm. um, some, I had one that did it once a quarter and it's done very well. And it was just more of a way, not just as an advisory board, but to honor good relationships and let's get out to lunch or a breakfast or something like that. It's another way to honor your best. And then I have advisors that feel like once a year, it's super meaningful. They close the year out with it, looking forward to next year. Thanks for continuing to be a part of our practice. Let's uh, let's look back at this year and what can we do to make next year more meaningful. So I encourage well, it. Just I, you control. know, to your point, I, I know several financial professionals who used to do seminars trying to convince new people to become clients. And now they do client advisory councils with the people who are already convinced. And then they let those people go out and convince new people 
on behalf of the advisor because they're way better at it. And it's interesting, Seth and Alex at Oak and Stone, who do th- did that testimonial webinar uh, with me a while back ago, they pointed out something is that the more you engage a client into your business to collaborate with you in terms of feedback and success stories and uh, answering these questions and participating in these events, the likelihood that they'll actually make an introduction goes up dramatically because yeah. they have a vested interest. Yeah. They they understand it better. They can articulate the advisor's value better because they have a different vantage point on what goes on and and the pure intentions of the advisor and and the fact that they're striving to keep improving. For those of you who have not done a client advisory council, again, I said it's in the advisor playbook, but if you call us at Pareto Systems, we'll give you the campaign. Who to ask, how to get them there, how to actually facilitate it, uh, the agenda to follow, the questions to ask, and then how to produce a summary that you can distribute to the rest of your clients to tell them how you're going to act on the feedback of your clients to elevate the client experience. It's quite powerful, and uh, I think it will encourage you to keep doing it. So, But what's interesting about the Client Advisory Council is it prompted you to create a, a 2.0 version, a hybrid of the Client Advisory Council that, in my view, is is one next step because it combines uh, so much of of this into one event. So, Steve, rather than me trying to describe it, why don't you talk about uh, the ideal client events that you've curated yeah. for uh, advisory teams? Yeah, thanks, Duncan. I, you know, <clears throat> the whole idea of the client advisory council and the things that Pareto had put together was amazing, and we just thought, what if we, what if we got people together in a room and kind of celebrated the relationships? And this was something that you and I first talked about. I think it was seven years ago, and it we had really perfected it. Pandemic kind of knocked it down. I think I told you this morning when we were talking. We have seven currently uh, being prepped for the ideal client get together has come back in waves. And I'm I'm pretty famous for being a little dramatic sometimes, but I would say that the ideal client event positioned right in the way that we teach it is a really significant, significant event in the life of an ad- advisor team. And we have advisors now that do them once a year. The idea, the first thing we did was we took the ideal client attributes that are part of the academy and part of what Pareto's foundation is. And you talk about assets and and attitude and advocacy. And what we did was we built that into a, a little brochure. It looks like an introduction kit, but the first page in it, when you open it up, it's the imagery and all the branding that we do. Right at the top, names our ideal client. The verbiage there is we don't want to be all things to all people. That's never been our goal. We've wanted to elevate service, so we focused on who our best clients are um, and the verbiage like that. And also that we, as we do, and we, when we work with advisors, and indeed when Prado works with advisors, attitude's a big deal. And so there's a place in this brochure, and it's a very meaningful, catchy piece where it says we don't define our ideal clients. Very simply, we don't define them by investments or money. We define them by attitudinal qualities. And some of the feedback I got early on was the advisor said, you know, what's crazy is our best clients look and sound just like us. And then there was a list of attitudinal qualities. And the presentation is about 20 minutes. If you talk 20 minutes, you've talked a long time. We teach advisors how to create the piece. You do the coaching work so you know who your ideal clients are. It's not a big event. Um, We talk about triple A's and high level double A's attending this. And we do the receptions or dinners or everything focuses on ideal. We print a save the date, ideal evening. The invite is an ideal, everything is around ideal and it separates what you're doing from the typical event. We do a lot of coaching around it. It's a celebration. It really is a celebration of your very best clients. 
And one of the things, you know, I'm really big on human nature component stuff when you get out in front of people. And so recently I've shared with advisors, you know, when you're in your town doing an event like this, uh, it's safe to say that every advisor in town has best clients or favorite clients. It's also safe to say that none of them write it down because in the brochure right there are typically eight or nine attributes that speak to the qualities of the people. They're gracious people. Gratitude for today, aspiration for tomorrow, a sense of purpose. They don't take themselves too seriously. They're compassionate and so forth. And one of the things we learned too, early on, the advisors would say they empower us to do our best for them. Um, They don't micromanage, those types of things. And what we've done is we've condensed it down to allowing the firm only to speak about themselves one attribute out of nine. Why? Early on, when I started to attend these things as a consultant and kind of mingle around and kind of watch what people would do, when they open the brochure and they see right at the top, our ideal client, a little verbiage about, you know, we, uh, it's not about money. Truly, it's not about money. And then they see our ideal client again. And then these attributes, the look on people's faces, I could always tell when they were reading it because it's not shocking, but it's sort of, it's like reading about yourself in the newspaper. It's amazing. Look at this. Look who we are. And in the follow-up to that, what I found was we combined make your clients the voice. I'm not talking about you, Duncan, because I won't talk about money. We took that input, but I would talk about you if I knew what to say. And we combined it with the attributes. And what we realized was people that you're not advising, even your very best friends, if you don't do the advisory work, you don't really know much about the money. You see the lifestyle and the house and whatever, and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you don't know about the money. When you get people together in ideal client receptions or dinners and they read about themselves, what we found, not because we're smart, but because we were told is, wait a minute. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty gracious guy. I'm very grateful for what I have in my life. I aspire for more for myself and my children and whatever. And don't take myself too seriously. I'm that guy. I hang around with people. Typically, we all hang around with people that are philosophically or spiritually like us, whatever it might be. And so what happened was people in the ideal client event would immediately connect the dots that I hang out with people that must also be ideal clients. And now I know how to introduce them. I'm going to talk about the process. And so very simply, we it's a printed piece. We each advise they want to do it on the screen. They can do that. And then there's a brief conversation around shoot your trailer. Some of you are familiar with our process and our pillars. This isn't a commercial, but just a reminder. And then the Venn diagram, our focus on what matters most to you and the things we can control. I'm happy to share over and over and over. And there's only one, only one response ever. Um, Most clients are amazed. I have kept emails and voicemails for years of people that at 1030 at night, after the event is over, have gone home, have emailed their advisor to say, Duncan, I knew what you did, but not really. Now I really understand what you do and why you do it. And would you please, uh, here's uh, my friend, Aaron, and here's his email. And so would you please contact him right away? Tell him I sent you over and over and over and over. And I had one advisor this year that said, I've been doing this for 31 years. My clients love me. I've never once gotten a hug. On the way out of the event, they just lined. It was like a book signing. They just lined up to give me a hug. They don't. The effect of sharing with people that, you know, so it's like athletes. It's not about the money. It's about the money. Advisors that say it's not about the money. I kind of don't believe it. But when you write it down and say it's not about the money, it's about gratitude and purpose and compassion, it's, you know, don't take yourself too seriously, whatever, people start to go, this is a different thing. And that what was amazing to us, and I kind of knew this, or I hoped it anyway, was that if you give people, you don't have to say, duplicate yourself, make introductions. What I found was most of your very best clients can connect the dots if you give them the map. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they do. And so we encourage our advisors once a year to do it. Uh, It never gets, there's a few things that'll be updated, perhaps a little bit in your process and uh, some of the attributes have grown. 
Um, people love coming to hear about themselves over. It just was, and I, that's a human nature component too, Duncan. Yeah. Everybody loves to to understand that they're valuable, um, not only to their friends and family, but to the business that they're associated with. I don't think in this day and age, I was having a conversation literally yesterday after yesterday afternoon about an advisor who's preparing to do his first ideal client event next week. And we talked about how might be a little bit overstated. You know, I just turned 62 and I remember I, I it was kind of a kinder, gentler time. You hear people talk all the all the time about it. it's a little bit, where's the courtesy? Where's the and while that might be a little bit overstated, the reason I mention it is when you put down on paper that our clients are amazing people and we recognize it, it leaves a mark. And they you don't have to say anything else. Even the sounding board becomes part of a reframing meeting that we talk about later. I get it. I'm hanging out with people that are just like me. They ought to be in this thing next year. And now well, I know how to, I know how to introduce them. So well, there's so many silver linings that come out of this. You know, remember Bonnie Raitt. Let's give them something to talk about. Yes. Yeah. Beyond yeah. just the minimum expectation, I yeah. trust you. No. Yeah. One of the benefits is that you remove the mystery for your clients around who you're suited for. That's correct. This is not opportunistic around, okay, who am I looking for? It's who am I suited for? Yeah. Especially the advisors who narrow cast. Yeah. No, the enlightened advisor, every time they get an introduction, they call up the rainmaker and say, thank you. And then ask them, you know, what did you say? How did you describe me to your friend? Yeah. I had an advisor tell me he got a colossal referral from a client. And this advisor over the years has narrow casted into the world of dentistry. He called up the advocate who introduced a colleague in the dental field, thanked him and then said, what did you say to your friend? Because he was so bought in and the client, the dentist said, I just told my friend that you get us, you understand us. Yeah. And that was enough. It had nothing to do with technical ability. It was, an inclusivity that that there's an understanding. And I'll, I'll tell you something back to that other point we made earlier. Please understand the rejuvenational qualities of putting your finger on the pulse of how you're perceived and described. No question. Like I had a mentor way back when, Steve, who said to me, he says, it doesn't matter how much money you have. It's who you become as a yeah. person because yeah. of what you have. And that's ultimately what matters. I mean, it's not the money. Well, money is a means to an end. What is the end? Let's focus on that. And I don't know, I, I meant to ask you about this last time we talked because, you know, blue square method, you know, the Ikigai. guy, there's a series on Netflix called the blue zone. Oh, I'm, and the blue zone is a study on why certain parts of the world, those citizens in these little pockets, have incredible longevity. And in the first episode of the blue zone, uh, it's it's in Okinawa, Japan, which is where the ikigai apparently was developed. And uh, I just love how the blue zone really syncs up with the blue square method. And the whole premise is, again, it's, it's not what we get. It's who we become. And let's take the long view. And I got to check that one out. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, you and I are at a stage in our lives and a lot of our clients are right there with us, right. Demographically. And, you know, our clients are lifelong planners but they tend to really plan for their clients and sometimes kick the can down the road themselves. Not just, you know, financially they've got it together, but how about all the other things that matter and orbit around the concept of financial independence, right? So there's a qualitative element and that's why we're so uh, adamant about 
as you're striving to take care of your clients, take impeccable care of yourself. But but the fuel, the 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 validation that comes from bringing your clients closer, pulling back the curtain, showing them like you know, we're just trying to find a better way to do this, and who better to help us do that than the people on the receiving end of what we do. And then mind the details and make sure that when you get that that input that you do something with it, you know? So, and for those of you thinking about an ideal client event, a couple things. It's not an appreciation event. It's not. Um, I've had several best clients, ideal clients say, I want to bring a friend. You can't bring a friend. Why not? Because they're not an ideal client at this point. You have to stick to those guns. It's recognized. It's, you know, we have uh, opportunities throughout the year to do appreciation events. This is not that. Mind the details and we'll help you with that. And I, everything I've learned about Pareto and working with Pareto for 13 years, it's about the details. And the thing about the ideal client event is it's a culmination of you paying attention to the details. You've done make your clients the voice. You know, you've, you've done those things that really you've developed your process. Your clients get it. This is a celebration of where we are now as an organization, and that includes our ideal clients. So the details matter. Oh, great, great point, because bookending an idea with execution yep. uh, and, and seeing it through and, and making it part of the lifeblood of, of what it is you do as a professional. We always say this, Steve, the best professionals place as much importance on practice management and the client experience it creates and relationship management and making sure that clients understand and appreciate your value fully and completely. Those two are just as important as your technical ability around wealth management. So um, yeah, terrific interaction and feedback. If somebody wanted to get some of your content around the ideal client event, how would they do that? Uh, they can they can hit me on LinkedIn uh, or usafinancial.com. They can find me there and we can have a conversation. So yeah, love to. And they send you an email? Yeah. Yep. Phillips at usafinancial.com. Yeah. Terrific. I'll, I'll just give people your cell phone number too. Yeah. Fantastic. One, so. yeah, 24-7. He's always on. <laughs> I always am. open. I am. Always on. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? Yes, I do. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Uh, I really appreciate this. Looking forward to seeing you soon. And uh, in the meantime, let's, let's stay connected. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate your feedback around uh, these three events. And at some point I want to talk to you about the concept of testimonials, because as I said in the beginning, the advisors, the early adopters that to your point about intention have really approached this professionally the results that they're getting the feedback and the actual uh measurable results from this concept is yep. is staggering yeah so let's I make agree. that our next uh, we next will and here's a here's a note for you and for our our listeners i wrote that down because you had mentioned it to me here's the thing we found about testimonials they become meaningful and real when your clients are talking about themselves sounds so a lot of advisors want to give the script or ask a question that points back to the advisor. It's the same thing we talked about with make your clients the voice. I'm going to point it. You talk about you and your experience. Those testimonials are meaningful. What's funny about that is uh, that's exactly what Sharon and Laura at Idea to Cantor said. Yep. Don't tell a client what to say. Correct. You can tell them in advance what questions you're going to ask them, but let them communicate how they feel about being part of your community. Yep. It has nothing to do with anything promissory around performance, rates of return, you know, that it just speaks to your qualities, your skills, your intentions, and your people practice and process. It's it's actually, it's magic. What I've seen, I've seen actual video testimonials that advisors have placed on their website or added as a, as a, active link on their e-signature on their emails they're incredible and people are noticing they're commenting on it they are uh, it's very very powerful okay steve be cool we'll talk soon and uh, really appreciate your time thank you for listening to always on with duncan mcpherson 
where our objective is to enable professionals to always be working on their business and on themselves. Want to learn more about Duncan and his team? Visit ParetoSystems.com. Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Pareto Systems. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast is powered by Proudmouth, the influence accelerators. If you're like me and want to spend more time educating people and less time selling, Proudmouth helps turn Main Street experts like you into trusted mainstream authorities. They will help amplify your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans. Visit Proudmouth.com to learn more.